Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, it's, it's such a privilege to, to be able to preach on Sunday. Right? It's such a privilege to be able to preach on Sunday um, because I realized as I was preparing for this message that two weeks ago was Holy Spirit Day. Two weeks ago was the day where we honor the Holy Spirit. Um, as uh, in, uh, in Israel, they also honor and, and say this was the day where the word of God came from the mountain on Sinai and, and the word was established with the people. And then, and then um, the Holy Spirit was poured out 2,000 years ago. So two weeks ago, we honored the Holy Spirit being poured out in our lives. That, that was the beginning of the, um, of the New Covenant Church and the building of the New Covenant Church, when 120 people met in a room and the fire of God fell on those disciples and 120 disciples became 3,120 believers, right? When the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And so we celebrated that two weeks ago. Last week, we celebrated Father's Day, right? We celebrated Father's Day. Those fathers in our life, those men in our life that we look up to, we love and we, we honor and we cherish. And they're supposed to be an example to us of Heavenly Father, right? They're supposed to be a picture to us of Heavenly Father, how He loves us and how He looks at us and how He, and he calls us out, right? And so last week we celebrated the fathers in our life, but ultimately point to Father God, Right, and it says in Luke uh, chapter uh, eleven that if your earthly fathers, being evil, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit? Right. So two weeks ago, Holy Spirit Day. Last week, Father's Day. So this day must be Sunday. <laughs> this day must be the day that we get to preach about the resurrected Son. Right, the day where we get to lift up the Son of God. The one who is the resurrected Lord, the first fruits for each and every one of us. And then we were singing today about, about um, uh, the power in the name of Jesus. And I thought, oh man, I love singing about the power because I know that firsthand in my life, the power that's in the name of Jesus. And in Hebrew, we say, we say Yeshua for the name of Jesus, right? The Hebrew word for Jesus is Yeshua. And I love saying Yeshua because in Yeshua, there is a, a whoosh. Yeshua, right? There's a whoosh of the presence of God. There's a whoosh of the Holy Spirit. And when I say his name, I feel the power, right? Because Yeshua, right? Sorry for the microphone there. Yeshua, the whoosh. And so anytime that we feel discouraged, anytime that we feel like there's no wind in our sails, when we feel disappointment, when we feel like dis despair is trying to creep in, we need the whoosh of his spirit, we need the power that's in the name of Jesus, right? And so when you sing that name, think about that, that Hebrew word, Yeshua. And when you say it, make sure you, make sure you pronounce that whoosh, right? Because you need to feel that whoosh. You need, to, you need to see that it's his power that fills our lungs, the Holy Spirit that, that, that makes us who we are in him. And so I just wanted to read this one scripture out of Colossians where Paul celebrates uh, Yeshua, and he says, 
Yeshua is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. The one who is before all things and in him all things hold together. That is an amazing scripture to me. This son, this Sunday, that we're, we're proclaiming the resurrected son, right? We're saying it's Sunday today, so we're gonna celebrate who he is. It says in Colossians that he's the one who holds everything together. So sometimes when we feel like everything's falling apart, we need to proclaim the name of Jesus over our life because he's the one who holds all things together. Right. And so so and I love it. Recently, we discovered this article about uh, what um, quantum physicists have discovered is the Higgs field. I don't know much about this. I'm I'm just telling you what the article said. Uh, And that is, is that these scientists, they discovered that when they were asked this, this question about what why matter sticks together instead of just traveling through the universe at the speed of light, their scientific answer is that light appeared out of nowhere at some point and that all matter clings to this light. Doesn't doesn't science just confirm what, what we already know in scripture that Jesus is the one who holds all things together? I mean, think about it. That's a whole nother message in itself. Uh, But I I love it when there's that that confirmation that comes from science. So Jesus is the word of God at the beginning. And that first divine phrase, let there be light, right, was the life force behind all of creation coming together. Come on, Jesus, the light of the world, truly holds all things together. That's amazing. That's amazing. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to, to rub shoulders with Jesus this morning because you feel, you feel like things are falling apart. And let me tell you that Jesus is here this morning to help put the pieces back together because he's the one who is the glue that holds it all together. That's amazing. Thank you, Lord. I also like preaching on Sunday because um, I don't get to preach on Sundays very often. I preach during the week with our community and uh, we have a number of our community here this morning. Just raise your hand, uh, the gate community here, some over here, some in the middle. Yay. These are my friends. You know, in, in, um, in the story of King Arthur, it talks about the, the, the knights of the round table, the people around him. They were called in Latin the Cambrogi. And that means the companions of the heart. These are my companions of the heart, and there are more outside of this room as well, but the people that I'm doing life with, we're, we're meeting together regularly throughout the week and we're spending time in the presence of the Lord. And so when we, when we get to preach on Sundays, we want the light of God to show because it's what's happening in those secret places, in those intimate times of fellowship with him. So we wanna be ambassadors of the light that holds all things together. Come on. And our heart cry as a community is out of John 17 where Yeshua says that, that, that um, the, the disciples would be one, they would be united just as the Father and the Son are one together. And it's that oneness, that unity that draws all men to him and that ultimately 
recognize him as the Lord of all, as the savior of the world. And so that, that, I want that to be our testimony as a group. And so anyway, it's very intimidating seeing the countdown up here. Uh, but uh, I wanna share with you this morning about joy. I wanna share with you, because this is, this is something I know that I have to give, right? I can give you what I have. I can't give you what I don't have, but I can give you the joy that I have as an impartation from the Spirit of God. And this is a joy I wanna speak about this morning, the joy in the journey, because life is a journey. And uh, Psalm 84, it describes um, this, this journey, this, this man who's, whose heart is set on a journey, or the Bible calls it a pilgrimage. The man who in his heart, there are the highways to Zion, another translation says. So those of us that are on this journey and on the journey of life, we've got the highways to Zion in our heart at all times, right? We're always looking forward to, we're always anticipating being with him, close with him in his presence. And so um, the way of blessing is living in radical pursuit, ever reaching for intimacy and closeness with our heavenly father. But as each of us know, because each of us live this life, we know that this life is filled with not just mountains, but it's also filled with valleys. There's mountains and valleys, and it's a part of the life that we each live. And one of those valleys uh, is mentioned in Psalm 84 when he says that, that, um, that he goes through the valley of Baca or the valley of weeping, and there he makes it a spring. So he goes through the place of weeping and he makes that place that's a place of crying into a place of great joy, a place of springs. Because in an arid climate like the Middle East, you know, springs are a joyful place. It's a place where people look forward to going to be refreshed. And so springs speak of that great joy. But you see, every life is filled with ups and downs. Life is often hard, and especially the life that we're promised as disciples of Jesus, because we forget that. But as disciples of Jesus, we're not promised an easy life. But we're, we know that there's gonna be challenges because we know that we're the one that we're following. But in the life of ups and downs, there is stability in knowing Jesus. There is stability in, in him. And so as we go through this life of ups and downs, the, the vicissitudes of life, we know that the joy of the Lord is there for us. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, but... Sometimes we disconnect the Spirit of God because it's the three persons, right? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we disconnect sometimes the Spirit of God from the nature of the Father and the character of the Son. But it's the same Spirit that filled, that raised Jesus from the dead that's in us. So when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, we're talking about the character and the nature of God the Father and His Son, Jesus. So what do we see in the Father's life that we can take courage from as it relates to emotions, as it relates to feelings, right? Because uh, I know that many of us have, have, have heard this before, that, that we don't go by our feelings, but we go by faith, right? Victory faith. We go by our faith. But once you have believed, 
once you've put your faith in God, then faith has a feeling. Faith has feelings attached to it, and those feelings, some of those, are the fruits of the Spirit in our life. And so, so I want to I talk about joy, because what, what does it say about the Father in this way? And we go back to the beginning. Genesis literally means beginning. And it says in Genesis that, that, uh, that he created this garden called Eden. And Eden in Hebrew literally means garden of delight or great pleasure. So do you see the emotion in the name, the environment? See, in Hebrew, a name is not just a name. It's the character and the nature of the place. And so uh, even the names given to people, they were prophetic callings over their life. So Eden was a place of great pleasure. So God literally created us in the beginning in his happy place. He created us in the place of his great pleasure and his great delight. And this carries on throughout the whole story. Everything comes out of his delight. So it's important to realize that God gets emotional over us. He thinks happy thoughts when he thinks about you and about me. It's an important realization because when you understand that you're operating or traveling in his pleasure from the start, then it's not just the destination that you have to look forward to, but every step along the way there is joy, there is delight, there is the pleasure of our heavenly Father. And I love it in uh, Luke, where Jesus says, fear not, little flock. Another translation says, fear not, little children. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on, what does the Father's good pleasure look like? I wanna have a revelation of the Father's good pleasure in our life. And that's really encouraging because a lot of times we think we get into this kind of mindset that says, um, he must be displeased with me and he must be withholding good things from me, right? But it says it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And then in James, it says that, that, uh, um, that every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights, right? So Every good and perfect gift comes from him. It's, it's his great joy to give us good things. And, um, and then again in Philippians, Paul says, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. There's a lot of joy going on here, right? Do you think sometimes we miss the joy element when we read the scripture? Do you think sometimes we miss out on the smile of God that he has for us? You know, when we're spending time with him, when we're just walking along the road or, or just about our business, right? The smile of God on our lives. So he's getting happy about what he's creating in you at this very moment. So think about it. Scripture tells us that his face shines toward us. He literally beams with joy over you. Another place it says that he's rejoicing over you with gladness. And then again, exalting over you with loud singing. Come on, a picture of God that jumps around you singing loudly at the top of his lungs because he gets so excited when he's in your presence. 
That's our God. Another place it says he dances over you. And again, he whistles over you. These are all emotions of joy. And those are just a few of the things that the Bible says about his nature when thinking about you. So joy is a part of the Father's nature and character. I remember one time hearing Pastor Moni talking about that, that passage in Nehemiah that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And she said, um, if the joy of the Lord is your strength, then what makes the Lord happy makes you strong. I got so inspired when I heard her say that because basically what she's saying is that the Father takes us from strength to strength with every smile. This journey in Psalm 84, it talks about going from strength to strength before we appear before God in Zion. How do we get there? By recognizing the pleasure of God over our lives. By entering into his great joy that he has for us. That's amazing. With every smile, I'm getting stronger. With every smile, you know. But you have to have a revelation of his smile because if you think of him like your earthly dad that maybe wasn't so nice, then you have this picture of God who's not smiling over you, who's disappointed in you, he's dis displeased with you. But that's not the heart of your heavenly father. That's not his heart. And he wants to change your mindset today. He wants to give you a revelation. So when we get a glimpse of his pleasure, we grow up in him. Our maturity is linked to his good pleasure. Wow. It makes sense though, because think about it, as fathers try to teach their sons how to ride a bike, right? That it's not the frustration, because believe me, I've had some frustration over trying to get my son to learn how to ride his bike, but it's not the frustration that helps them to move into maturity or increase. It's the smile on your face, it's the joy in your heart, it's the delight that you feel about them. Not because they've done it or they've not done it, but it's the delight that you feel because they are who they are. And you smile, and it's amazing how a smile goes such a long way to help them move from strength to strength, right? Increase. Thank you, Lord. So the father, this, this is his story throughout history. You know, it, we, we hear this journey of pleasure and, and delight. But what about, what about Jesus? What does it say about Jesus? It's interesting that Jesus, his first miracle was turning the water into wine, right? And this miracle was important because um, wine in Hebrew culture is a sign of great joy. Maybe in our culture too. Wine is a sign of great joy, right? And so at this wedding feast, what was happening was the joy was running out. The wine was running out and Jesus' mother compels him, please, you know, you've gotta help because we don't want their joy to be diminished. We want their joy to be full. So Jesus takes the, the water and turns it into wine so that their joy at the wedding feast could be complete. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the very first miracle that he expresses. That's to tell us something, that joy is a big part of who he is. 
It's a big part of his character and nature. In John 15, 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Obedience and joy go hand in hand. Jesus' greatest joy was knowing that he had completely fulfilled God's plan through his willingness to obey every word from the Father. Jesus wasn't lacking in the joy department, and he didn't want you to be lacking in the joy department either. Listen to this. This is an amazing story. Uh, out of uh, Luke 10, 17, this is right where he sends the 72 disciples out. He's so excited to send them out because he's been teaching them. He's been equipping them. And, and then it says in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned after they had been away with joy, saying, even the demons are subject in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, it's interesting because a lot of times when we read this passage, we feel like he's telling the disciples off for doing a really great thing. Don't rejoice in that, but rejoice in this. And what he's saying is the greater joy, the greater joy is not that, de that you have authority over demons. The greater joy is that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You are going to be in intimate fellowship, in intimate union with the Father in heaven. That's the greater joy. So much so that it says that, the very next passage, it says, in that same hour, he rejoiced. Now you have to understand that that Hebrew word rejoice, it means literally to jump up and down and to spin around with great delight. Some even say it's like a spinning top. That's the picture that's giving for rejoicing. Right? So, so this passage of scripture, you know, when we read it, we're like, nevertheless, uh, that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and earth. No, this is not what's going on. Literally, Jesus is jumping with great joy up and down and he's spinning around. That is what he's doing over you. That's the same picture of the Father spinning and dancing with delight over you and I. That's what he's doing over his disciples. So this is, this is his heart. This is who he is. The Jesus of the Bible was not somber and sad. The Jesus of the Bible was a happy Jesus. And I, I love to read my Bible thinking about the smile on his face, right? He did this with great joy. Wow. He delights in you. He loves you. So, there's, there's great times, like when disciples return with a great report, but then there's hard times also in our life. And Hebrews 12, 2 tells us that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. I, I don't even know how that phrase, joy, and enduring the cross, despising the shame, or in the same sentence. 
I don't even understand how that goes together. But Jesus knows something that we don't know. He's able to see something we don't see. He's able to see the pleasure and delight that's right there in the presence of God, right? Because he knew what it was like to sit on that throne next to his father. And it says that for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the greatest pain and the greatest suffering that anyone can ever imagine. He did that that for you and I, but he did that so that he could have that level of intimate connection with the Father and that each one of you can also be seated with him in heavenly places. That's why in Colossians it also says that we set our minds on things above, not on the things of this world, where Messiah Yeshua is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because that's the happy place. That's the place of great joy. That's the place of great delight. So Jesus did it in the good times, he did it in the hard times, but what was consistent throughout his life was joy. Because it's a manifestation of the Spirit of God which is inside of Jesus. That means that you and I can also have great joy in all of life's circumstances. That no matter what's happening in our life, that we can be full of his joy. And I believe there's an impartation tonight, today, for, for this joy to fill us afresh, this joy to fill us again. It says in Psalms that, that in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Come on, so that means that if we are carriers of the presence of God, wherever we go, we can be full of joy. Wherever we're at, no matter what's happening, around us, we can be carriers of this great joy because it's the culture of heaven that we carry with us where we go. And the last thing I just wanted to share is that, that the beautiful thing about this picture, Jesus saying this in Hebrews, that, that for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross. It's an amazing picture to us because, because um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, verse 10, it says that, that um, the word of the Lord does not return empty or void. And uh, it says that just like the rain and the snow come down on the earth, so shall my word not return void to me. And then I thought about this for a minute. This is amazing because this is the life of Jesus. He is our example in all things. And he is the word of God. And it says that the word will not return empty or void. So Yeshua himself was sent from the Father out of pleasure, out of great delight for you and I. And Yeshua, Jesus, he fulfilled the cycle. He completed, he fulfilled the plan of God on his life. The word of God did not return to the Father void. Why is it so important that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father? It's important because every time I think about Jesus sitting beside the Father, I know that I will also complete my cycle, I will also complete my journey, I will also fulfill the calling of God in my life with great joy, with great joy. So this is available for us. This is what he has for us this morning. And and I, I wanna pray for an impartation of joy, but if we could just close our eyes for a second and just wanna give an opportunity for a response this morning And um, 
if, you, if you've never received Jesus in your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus, the one who is the joy of the Father, the one who is the fulfilled word of God, then he wants to come and he wants to meet with you this morning. He wants to come and he wants to, he wants to fill your heart with gladness this morning. A couple of weeks ago in worship, while we were worshiping, um, I just had a, a vision where I saw myself in the cloud of witnesses. And joy began to rise in my heart. And as I looked around, the thing that I noticed about the cloud of witnesses, those, those people there, those great men and women of God, was the smiles on their faces. It was so amazing to me because the smiles on their faces colored outside of the lines. The smiles were bigger than their faces themselves. And it was, it, to me in the picture, it was likened to a child that colors outside of the lines. And I thought, wow, your joy makes us color outside of the lines. Your joy is bigger. I can't contain it. Like Paul says, inexpressible and full of glory. And there's that type of joy that's available for you and I this morning. And if you've never received Jesus this morning and you wanna receive this joy into your life today, I just wanna invite you to, to raise your hand to respond in some way this morning because I wanna pray with you this morning. If that's you this morning, just raise your hand and we're gonna pray together for the increase that he has for us. And then also for those that are that, that just wanna respond by saying, God, I wanna be someone that walks in your joy at all times. I wanna be a carrier of heaven, the atmosphere, the environment of heaven at all times, that you would just raise your hand before the Lord and, and let's, uh, let's pray this prayer together, just saying yes again. Jesus, say it, say it after me, Jesus, we receive you now. We receive you now in fullness. Lord, not what we think about you in our mind only, but what scripture tells us, that Jesus, you are full of joy. You died for us and you were happy to do it. I receive you now as Lord of my life. Forgive me for my sin, the things that have separated my heart from your heart. Come in and fill me afresh. Fill me new in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. And I just pray right now an impartation, a fresh impartation of joy to fill every home represented here that your homes would be a place of experiencing great joy like never before, and that you would choose joy. You would choose joy in the midst of all that life throws at you. You would say yes to the God who's happy, who, who created you in his happy place, and, and who sent his son because he loved you so much, and whose son represented him so well by rejoicing always, like Paul says, again, rejoice, again, rejoice. Thank you, Lord. We look to you now, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you have for us.
in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.